Glory to God. Uh, we've been talking about being kingdom-minded. Uh, we've been talking about from uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Uh, let's read that together. Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We've covered a lot uh, that we're not going to repeat today. We won't review it, but you can go on our website or on any of our social media platforms and you can listen to uh, the messages on uh, being kingdom-minded um, because it's important for us to talk about this. Uh, we said we're the glorious church, and in the Word of God, it talks about how we are without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Uh, that's how Jesus said he's coming back for a church, <laughs> like that. And when we look around in the natural, we're like, mm, there's a lot of spots and wrinkles. Uh, but he doesn't see that. He sees us as his glorious church. And so we need to have the same sight and the same mind as he does concerning us. And so uh, that's what we're talking about um, I thought we'd get to what we're going to talk about today further on down in this message, but he would have us talk about this today, and we'll, we'll finish it up. We'll start it. We'll finish it up next week, and we're going to take communion over it. So next week, we'll take communion uh, over this, because I think it's very important. Uh, he believes it's important. We've talked about the subject of forgiveness before, uh, but he's coming uh, at it. We're going to learn something uh, more about it. So we said at the very beginning with this series, don't throw away what you already know about having the mind of Christ, about renewing your mind. Don't throw that away. Uh, but we're just adding to what we've learned in the past. Amen. All right. So we're learning uh, about the process we call or the Bible calls renewing the mind. A mind renewed is uh, a renewed mind is a mind that thinks like God. That's what we're talking about. When we talk about a renewed mind, it's a mind that thinks like God. And to think like God, you have to know his thoughts. And his word, the Bible, is his thoughts written down so we can take them as our own thoughts. So that's what we use to renew our minds with. We think like God when we get his word in us. And then we can start knowing his thoughts about us, his thoughts about things around us, his thoughts concerning our children, his thoughts concerning our families, his thoughts concerning our marriages, his thoughts concerning our jobs, his thoughts concerning everything that concerns us. We heard this morning how he's, he blessed Arthur with a place, you know, and he's been believing for that. He, he gets concerned about those things, and he'll show us how to, you know, receive from him. And so this is how uh, we, uh, this process is dependent on a daily discipline of getting the word of God into us, getting God's thoughts into us. It's a daily discipline. And then it will change. Once I get it in me by reading it, then I apply it, and it will change the way I think. When I change the way I think, I'll change the way I behave. I'll change the way I behave. And when I change the way I behave, then I allow the full flow that God has for me to operate in my life. I'll receive it. And this is how we become kingdom-minded. 
So last week we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And Mr. Henry just read this verse. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven or cringing and fawning fear. <laughs> I like the Amplified Classic. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and well-balanced and discipline and self-control. A balanced mind and discipline and self-control. A renewed mind is a sound mind. And a sound mind is a calm, well-balanced and disciplined mind. That's what it means to have a renewed mind. This is the type of mind, this is the kind of mind that God has authored for each and every one of us. For every believer, this is what God has authored for us. A sound mind. Hallelujah. Uh, and we've established uh, in previous messages that the actual work of renewing our mind is on us to do. It's not on God to do. But here's the thing. We have a heavenly agent called the Holy Spirit who has been sent down here by the Father to help us access everything that Jesus bought and paid for. He came to help us access everything that God authored for our lives. Amen. The Holy Spirit, that's his job. And so he's in us. He's in us, so he can help us with this process. He will help us with this process. But we remember we said help means that we do it and he helps us, not that we put our feet up and eat chips and soda and then he does the work. No, we do the work with him, right? We engage with him and we do the work with him. Amen. And so when we renew our mind, uh, we protect the sound mind that God has given us. It says God has given that to us. When I renew my mind, I protect it and I make it so in my life. Amen? Amen. All right. So he gives us the tools and ability to do it. So today I want to look at real quick how a renewed mind will assist us with receiving forgiveness from God uh, and forgiving ourselves and others and why this matters. Why this matters in the life of a believer? Why does it even, why do I have to do this? And so uh, if you'll go with me to Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25. Isaiah 43 verse 25. Again, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic. I, even I, am he who blots out and cancels your transgressions for my sake, my own sake. This is God talking. And I will not remember your sins. Hallelujah. Do you hear that? Hallelujah. God cancels out your transgressions for his sake. For his sake. He cancels it out for his sake, not just for our sake. Transgressions are acts that go against his way of living. That's what transgressions are. It's what goes against his way of living. And it will stop the flow of blessing that he provides for us in our lives. And he wants us to live blessed lives. Yes. God authored a blessed life for you. 
He's, he's made that available to anyone who will take it. But our transgressions keep us from taking it. Because he can't bless sin. He can't bless our own path, our own way. And so, but he, he's made it available for everybody. Everybody. And he's, again, he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us live the way he desires for us to live. So if we see in 1 John chapter 1, in verse 9, 1 John 1, 9. Now this verse is written to believers, to Christians. And it says that if we confess our sins, that's how it starts, right? If, do you see that first word there? If, it's a choice I make to confess my sins before the Lord. So it's not enough for me to just feel bad about something that I've done. That it doesn't say if, if you feel bad about something that you've done. No, it's a decision that you make to confess the word of God or to confess your sins before God. So in other words, it's God, your word says this, and I did this. I did this. This is what I did. That's how you confess before God. It's a decision. You have to open your mouth and confess that sin to him. Uh, and the quicker we do that, the better. The quicker, and I'll show you why. I think if we really practiced 1 John 1, 9 more, then we would use it less. <laughs> Because if I actually opened my mouth and confessed something that I did or didn't do, it will make me change my behavior, which is what true repentance is. If I truly repent of something, when, when I tell my granddaughter, please do not do that, and she says, I, I, I'm sorry, she's, she's learning now. Now she comes to me and says, I'm sorry. Okay, what are you sorry for? I'm sorry you told me to do this and I didn't do this. Okay. Uh, my expectation as her grandparent is that she's not doing that again. <laughs> Does she do it again? Probably. <laughs> she's eight. But my, my expectation is that she's sorry. If she's really sorry, she wouldn't do it again. Well, if she, if she keeps that in her heart that I repented for this, I said sorry. And she, do you see how it takes renewing the mind? Because you fall right back into that. If you don't renew your mind concerning that area, you will find yourself repenting of that over and over again. And that's not true repentance. You never repented. Repentance means to turn around and go the other direction. And you can't do that without the help of the Holy Spirit and renewing your mind. And that's why we're talking about this. That's why we're talking about this. And so our sin costs Jesus everything everything. So we should not have a casual approach to sin and repentance. We shouldn't. It cost him everything. That's the whole reason he came. And so it seems like if a lot of people think, if I just feel remorse, well, then God knows and understands. He knows and understands. But the fact of the matter is that unconfessed sins, any unconfessed sins, whether you realize it or not, leaves an open door to the enemy, the devil. 
Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.27 to give the devil no place, which means no opportunity, no opportunity. Uh, and then we see in 2 Corinthians 11.14, it says that the devil goes around looking to see whom he may devour. And then in John 10.10, 10, Jesus tells us that he comes that we might have life and have it more abundantly. In that same verse, he says, the devil also has a mission. Jesus told us what his mission was. And then he told us the enemy also has a mission. And it is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's right. And so he's on a mission. And unconfessed sins leave an open door of opportunity to the devil. And oftentimes, it will release the flow of condemnation in your life. Condemnation. Which will shake your confidence and hinder how much you receive from God. This is why the blessings are blessed. It's not because God, you know, is withholding them. That flow stops because condemnation won't allow you to receive from God. When you confess your sins, you are getting, what that means, you're getting in agreement with God on your shortcomings. You're getting in agreement with him. And you're saying, your word tells me to do this and not to do that, and I fell short. And forgive me. And so you confess it, and 1 John 1, 9, the rest of that says God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word forgive means to release, to let go, or to totally dismiss. I love that. The blood of Jesus makes it as if you've never sinned. We saw that in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. God doesn't hold your sin or failures against you. We got to renew our mind to that. He does not hold it against us. In fact, Psalm 103:12 says that he sends that sin or that failure as far as the east is from the west. Glory to God. I don't even like to point when I say east and west because it's probably wrong. I think that's, that's, that's north, this is south, then this is east and west. East and west, see? Okay, so you see math is a problem and geography, okay. All right, so you see why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Uh, I'm not a school teacher. God's not waiting for you to confess your sins to decide whether or not he's going to forgive you. <laughs> he's made that decision to forgive you long before you and I were ever put on this earth. He's not waiting for you to confess it to see how big it is, how long it's been. How he, No, he's not analyzing your sin. He's not doing that. He's not waiting for us to confess before he decides, well, I don't know, that's a big one. I don't know. I don't know if Jesus covered that on the ground. No. Jesus took care of it all, didn't he? Yeah. He took care of it all. And so he's not waiting on that. He, he decided he was going to cancel out your transgressions so the blessings continue to flow in your life and to forget your sins so you can continue to work. He can continue to work through you and carry out his work on the earth. He needs you. 
He needs you. He needs his work to be carried out on this earth. And that can't happen without you. That can't happen without his glorious church. So that's why he helps us. <laughs> he wants us to get this. Amen? Amen? And so if you go back to Isaiah 43, 26, he says, put me in remembrance. Remind me of your merits. <laughs> he doesn't say, remind me of your transgressions. No. Remind me of your merits. Let us plead and argue together. Set forth your case that you may be justified. Justified is to be proved right. Glory to God. Once we receive his forgiveness, we can then boldly pray because we know that sin isn't present anymore. Amen? So our mind has a huge part <laughs> to play in receiving forgiveness from God. And we must renew our mind with his word about forgiveness and the fact that he forgets. Otherwise, this will be a constant struggle. It will be a constant struggle. The accuser, the devil, will take advantage of the opportunity and condemnation will come. That's how he works. So go over to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 with me. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You become in Christ. You, he comes in you and you're in him when you receive him. Amen? We receive him. We receive his blood that cleanses us. And so then there is no more condemnation who do not walk according to the flesh, but after or according to the spirit. So knowing that we are a spirit and prioritizing the nourishment of our spirit is vital in our lives as a believer, is vital. I've been waking up each morning and um, making myself become aware of a thought concerning me, the real me, the spirit. So every morning before I get out of bed, a scripture comes in my heart concerning I'm a spirit. And so it might be the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And then I'll work that scripture in my heart even before I get out of bed. I'll do it to myself. I'm not loud because, you know, he may be still sleeping. And so I do it to myself. Okay, what scripture am I going to have today concerning my spirit? And then I'll talk about the Holy Spirit is in me. And I walk according to the spirit. I walk aligned to the spirit and not after the flesh. And this helps me prioritize the fact and do activities that nourish the real me, the spirit. So I, every activity I do, I'm mindful as to how is this a nourishment to my spirit. That's how activities fall away because they don't align. They're not part of this lifestyle anymore. That's how the activities fall away. The more I become aware of the real me spirit on the inside, the more I'll do and practice things that nourish and help and build my spirit. And then those other things fall away. You know, I know there are different programs and things that we can do in the natural to help with addictions and things like that. But if we'll renew our mind and get in the word of God, 
first and we just begin to renew our mind in that area. I don't walk according to the flesh, but I walk after the spirit. I'm no longer submiss submissive to anything that doesn't please the spirit of God. I listen to the voice of God. He leads me. I build up myself in terms of my spirit man, how, how he works, how he operates. All of a sudden I'll turn around and I'll be like, oh, I got separated from that thing. It doesn't, it doesn't control or dominate me anymore. My spirit dominates me. And all of its activities dominate me. Glory to God. The more skillful we get at doing this, the less problems we'll have with our flesh. Because you can do all the programs. You can do all of that. But you're a spirit. <laughs> you're a spirit. And so your spirit is alive unto God. And so when you do things that are contrary to that, then that's when condemnation sets in. And, and now you're going down a road where you're living powerless because you're living without the anointing of God flowing to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Once we become born again, we receive forgiveness. We are justified or acquitted, thank God. And now there is no condemnation. Condemnation always accompanies sin. So to condemn means to pronounce, to be guilty, to sentence, to punishment, or to pass judgment against. God is not the author of condemnation. And for us to live with a sense of condemnation is to forget Jesus' redemptive work. So again, we need to renew our minds to this. Condemnation will weaken your faith, so you will not be able to receive from God. Faith is what receives from God. And when you yield to condemnation, it will make your faith inoperative. It will make it not work. We have to resist condemnation. Cast the thought down by replacing it with God's thoughts. That's what we got to do. Remember, his word are his thoughts written down so we can take them as our own. He doesn't condemn you. So if you're struggling with condemnation, you need to get some scriptures in you and begin to speak them out loud over yourself daily. And don't stop. Because don't stop until that goes. I think sometimes we do it three times and go, well, it don't work. Well, give it time. It took you a long time to get into condemnation. It might take you some time to get out. Give it time. We give it a lot of time. We stew in it. But, but take the time to do it. It's worth it. Because uh, speak that over yourself because you don't want to stop the flow of faith in your life. The just shall live by faith. You have no power to live for Jesus or no power to live on this earth like you should. You're powerless without faith. And then uh, in 2 uh, Corinthians 5.21, you can speak that verse. You can write it down and look it up if, you are having, uh, if you're struggling in this area. 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks about being the righteousness of God in Christ. Speak that over yourself. I am the right. He's given me his righteousness. He's given me his I put on the robe of righteousness. I'm clothed with it. So my actions are righteous. And so just, uh, just continue to let him work that word in you. And then Romans 6, 14, sin has no dominion over me. Speak that over yourself. I'm no longer submitted to sin. It doesn't dominate me anymore. 
in, in John, or you could say uh, John 3.17. John 3.17 says that Jesus didn't condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And remember the account of Jesus in John 8 when they brought that woman to him who was caught, allegedly caught in an act of adultery, which I always thought it took two to tangle, but whatever. They bought her, just one. one per Where's the man? Come on, ladies. Where's the man? Yeah, he was smart. He's hiding. Yeah, they bought the woman. Oh, she was caught in adultery. Wait a minute. Didn't that take two people? Where's the other party? It's probably one of them, the Pharisee. That's how they knew it happened. And so they brought her, and Jesus, you know, did the whole thing with, though that, if you don't have the sin, you can cast, you know, the, cast the first stone. Because they were going to stone her. That's what the law said you had to do. Well, Jesus, you know, he wrote in the sand, and there's things about what did he write and that kind of thing. But then he looked up, and he said, woman, woman, where are your accusers? Well, yeah, where are they? They were all gone. And then what did he say? Neither do I condemn you. He didn't come to condemn. She, he, that, that warranted some condemnation, you would think. That was adultery. That was sin. The law says she's supposed to be stoned and condemned and sentenced to be punished. But he said, neither do I condemn you. He said, neither do I condemn you. And she went free. She went free. Well, you need to think about that in your own life. Think about that. Receive his forgiveness. When you receive his forgiveness, no, he's not condemning you. He doesn't condemn you. Uh, he comes that you might have life. Have life. Don't stop his flow of life in your life by, by leaving those sins unconfessed and then after rehearsing them. Don't do that. In Revelations 12.10 tells us that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who will remind you of your sins, your failures, and your flaws. Every opportunity he gets, he'll take that opportunity. It's interesting how the devil will lead a person into wrong, and then he'll accuse them of doing the wrong. He's just a nasty little man. He will lead you into wrong, and then he will accuse you and make you feel bad for doing the wrong. That's the devil. That's the devil for you. And so uh, there's nothing good in him. There's nothing good following him. So we submit to God. We confess our sins. Resist the enemy by speaking God's word and close the door to him. Amen? Amen. A renewed mind will assist us in receiving forgiveness from God and not allow condemnation to come. A renewed mind will do that. There's another side, and we'll close with this. There's another side to this that God has been showing me regarding condemnation. Uh, an unrenewed mind in this area uh, of unforgiveness and all that will let thoughts that lead to condemnation linger in the thought life. We'll sit and we'll think about those thoughts. Uh, and then it becomes a pattern of thinking, a behavior. Our behaviors are formed with patterns in our thinking or what we could call our belief system. You think of something long enough, it becomes your belief system. Just like if I think on the word of God, I believe what it says, it becomes a part of my belief system. And then how I act shows you that this is what I believe. Yes, 
same way that sin and condemnation will work. You let those thoughts of condemnation linger in your heart and you start thinking it becomes your belief system and then your beliefs drive your behavior. And that's why we fall victim to that same way of behavior. The same pattern of thinking will lead to the same pattern of behavior. That's why we got to renew our minds because everything comes from that. Everything that we do uh, starts there. And so... Um, that's why we got to think like God thinks. If I tolerate self-condemnation in my life, then it becomes easy for me to condemn others for any perceived wrongs and actions. If I tolerate self-condemnation, I beat myself up all the time. Because again, God's not condemning me. It's myself that condemns myself because I'm guilty. You know, I feel guilty. I haven't fully received. My mind doesn't understand how forgiveness works yet because I haven't gotten into the word enough concerning forgiveness and how God does not even remember it anymore. Mm -hmm. He chooses not to remember it anymore. And if I don't renew my mind to that, I'm going to condemn myself. Well, if I live a life of self-condemnation and I let those thoughts linger, when someone does something to me, I'm going to condemn them too. And here's the thing, whether condemnation flows to us or through us to others, it will have the same effect. It will weaken our faith and hinder the flow of blessings in our life. Whether it's self-condemnation or cond con condemnation towards others. Uh, many people are going without their prayers being answered because of this. That's why God's having us talk about it. And so um, we need to say what Jesus said. A lot of times we go with that woman because we know we sin and this and that. We go with her and we're like, oh, thank you, Lord, you don't condemn us. But we need to say what Jesus said to her, to others in our lives who have done us wrong. Neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you either. I find no fault in you. And if I say that and you go, <laughs> yeah, when hell freezes over then you need to renew your mind. That's an area you need to renew, because it's costing you. It's costing the full flow and supply of blessings in your life. It's costing you. God's been going, mm, zip thy lip. Zip it. Stop talking about it. And so I'll just get quiet, because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> just, just get quiet. Your mama always said, right? Your mama probably said too, if you don't have nothing to say, don't say it. Because it turns into condemnation towards others. What is condemnation towards others? You're putting yourself in a higher position than they are and saying, be sentenced and be punished for what, you, what I think you did to me or how I think it played out. And so we don't do that. We don't do that. King, being kingdom-minded keeps us from doing that. Because I don't want the flow of blessings limited in my life. I'll experience some blessing because the Lord has mercy and grace. But I won't get the full flow. And in this age and time that we're living in, we must have the full supply of everything God has for us. If not now, when? If not now, when? He's coming soon. We've got to walk as his glorious church on this earth. And that's why we've got to take care of this once and for all. Once and for all, we've got to take care of it. 
And so uh, that's why he has us talking about it. I'll leave you with one scripture and, and, and we'll close. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. Uh, this is a very important verse. And I'm going to read it out of the message because <laughs> it's cute in the other translations. But in the message, it's not very cute. Matthew 7, verse 1 to 5. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling road show mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Mm. What do you think it is when the Lord directs you to that verse? You know, like, why don't you look at this in the message translation? Okay, Lord. <laughs> Whatever you say, Lord. <laughs> it was a big ouch by the time I stopped, I read that. Because the attitudes and, and the critical spirit and always picking on and picking on other people and seeing their faults, and yet people have been putting up with our flaws and failures for a long time. They haven't come and told us about it. They've been putting up with us and our mouth and our behavior for such a... They've been overlooking it, but we can't overlook them. And so, you know, we may not go to somebody and tell them, I condemn you, but just rehearsing that over and over. So the Lord's been dealing with me on that and to make sure that my conversation and to him that ordereth his conversation aright... Will I show the salvation of God? I want the full flow of his salvation working and operating in my life. Because I don't, if I don't have the full flow operating in my life, I can't help someone else get it in their life. And I want to be used by God in the time that we're in to bring salvation to someone else's life to bring healing and hope to someone else. I want to be able to help them in other things, in other ways. If I can't even help myself because my mouth and my mind keeps getting in the way, how am I going to help somebody else? And so this is why we're doing this. And I don't, I don't want to leave us on a uh, sour note like that. So what I'm just going to do, I'm just going to take out this card. Everybody see the card? <laughs> Everybody smiles when I take out this card, Daddy. We all know what this is. Dad handed this card out multiple times. Remember the love card? Woohoo! The love card. She's got hers. <laughs> the love card. This sits on my desk. It sits on my desk. And I look at it. This is important. We need this now more than ever. And this will help us renew our minds. This tells us the behaviors of someone who has God on the inside of them. This tells us the behaviors of someone who is kingdom-minded. 
who thinks God's thoughts concerning others. And so we'll, we'll close on this note. You can stand with me this morning. I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I love the Amplified Classic in this. Verse 4 to 8. I, now, I endure. Do we have it up there? We say love endures. Uh, I read it as I. And so we'll read it as I. I endure long, and I am patient and kind. I am never envious, nor do I boil over with jealousy. I am not boastful or vainglorious. I do not display myself haughtily. I am not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. I am not rude, unmannerly, and I do not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in me does not exist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. I am not touchy or fretful or resentful. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I do not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but I rejoice when right and truth prevail. God's love in me bears up under anything and everything that comes. I am ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. Love is in you. It's been put in there by your agent, your heavenly agent.